That's right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. We, of course, will be out, whoop, which I've got to set up right now on the uh, uh, Twitter spaces, which uh, for some reason I did not start yet, but now I have. And uh, let me make sure the mic usually starts off off. Let me see. There we go. Let's get that on. Uh, we'll be taking your calls there. Uh, today we'll be speaking to an attorney who specializes in family law and amongst other things, conservatorships, something that she is expert in uh, and one of the world's experts, in fact, Martha Cohen-Stein. Uh, she is uh, part of the legal firm. I'm going to get it for you right now. Oh, of course, I go straight to the... Well, I have to tell you when we go back, when we come back to the show for real, this is just a little little tease, as we say. And uh, I'm interested in this because um, there really is underutilization, under ability to access these sorts of things in California. And of course, the Britney Spears case brought a lot of people to the fore in terms of thinking about conservatorship and what is the right way to, to apply these things. So let's get right to it. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And thank you for being here, everybody. As always, we are uh, on Twitter Spaces. Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, I am not on Twitter Spaces because I didn't plug my phone in. Uh, as my wife is reminding me, she is at a distant location now. Now we should be on Tweet Spaces, I, Twitter Spaces. I'm sorry, those of you that have gathered there. Uh, I will be taking your calls in just a moment. And in fact, um, if you want to come up and ask a question, just raise your hand. And of course, if you come up, you'll be uh, streaming out on multiple platforms. And by raising your hand, you agree to do so. Uh, today, we have Martha Cohenstein. She is founding partner of Cohenstein Kapoor LLP, focused on family law and that their firm for over 25 years. And she's an expert in conservatorship. Uh, I'm watching you all on uh, Twitter, a retweet rather, as well as uh, taking calls off Twitter spaces. And let's see how the Rumble Rants are doing. Yep, you guys, Jay Hep is there. And uh, he's got some interesting comments already. And uh, so we appreciate you all being here today. We're going to get into this conversation. And if you want to ask other questions too, we'll maybe uh, transition later in the show to some of the other topics that we normally deal with. But right now, let's welcome Martha Cohen-Stein. Martha, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. So a couple questions, just sort of general questions off the top. Uh, you know, it says family law and people immediately think about divorce and those sorts of proceedings when people are from the family law world. But it seems like, I'm sure that's some of what you've done, but it seems like your, your expertise, your practice is much broader than just that. Well, family law encompasses often um, conservatorships, guardianships, as well as matrimonial matters such as divorce, custody, prenup agreements, because um, conservatorship is typically a family matter. Hmm. Has, so we, has, we do. We do handle those kind of cases as under, well. Understood. Has, has the use of prenups become more commonplace or more accepted? It seems like that's uh, seems like it's in the, in the vapors more these days. Is that accurate Absolutely. or is that just media? 
it's absolutely accurate. It used to be uh, something that a second marriage or later in life couple would want to have a prenup to protect their adult children and grandchildren, possibly. Nowadays, a lot of young people entering into first marriages are entering into prenups um, where they don't have any property accumulated yet that they need to protect, but they're worried about a future dissolution of the marriage, a future divorce. So other than avoiding, yeah. Other, other than avoiding misery, it is you know one of one of the things people always say is that uh, couples often don't talk about money and the fact that they don't understand each other's psychology around money creates a lot of conflict. Does this help obviate some of that, or are they really just looking towards uh, avoiding pain later? Well, it's really usually in a, a quite the roller coaster, the negotiation of a prenup, because often they've never spoken about financial matters. And it's the first time they have to con confront finances and they don't like what they hear. And a lot of times a couple is going through a very difficult period during the prenup. And a couple of times, unfortunately, in my experience, where I was representing either the bride or groom, the wedding got called off. I try to work in a way that that doesn't end up happening. It's not understood. I, <laughs> yeah. is, is it, would you recommend that people, uh, again, in first marriages without a lot of assets, is that, is that something you'd recommend or is that asking for problems? I think in a first marriage without a lot of assets that it's asking for problems. That um, okay. <laughs> a prenup is usually better for the person, the have than the have not. So if you are the have, right. you probably want a prenup. If you are the have not, you don't want one because a prenup in a prenup you're asked to waive rights. Right. You're not and, and is that given rights. You're asked to waive yeah. rights. Is yeah. is that so where you're getting into? Is that where stuff. these people are getting into trouble? Is it is it waiving access to family assets or something that, that's getting people upset? I mean, be, why are things getting so bad? It could be waiving uh, inheritance rights, waiving spousal support, waiving uh, property accumulated during the marriage if it's not titled in joint names. So prenups tend to take away rights uh, from the less moneyed party and hmm. tend to be favorable to the more moneyed party. So uh, if you're the less moneyed party, you probably don't want a prenup. Interesting. Uh, Twitter spaces, I, I guess my phone, although I finally did click it in, I didn't click it all the way in. So I apologize. You weren't necessarily hearing my guest. Uh, and I do see that some of your hands are up. So we'll get to you in a few minutes. Let, let's get on to the topic I was interested in. Um, let me just frame it by uh, telling, you know, pointing out a couple of things that I have talked about publicly and I would love your input. I would love your expertise and I would love to learn more about these things. But I, I've been very concerned about conservatorships in the state of California because I've worked with untold numbers of families who are unable to uh, help their loved ones who are on the street with chronic mental illnesses of all type. Most of them end up dead. And the state of California does nothing to assist with this. In fact, is sort of abusive to families that dare to step up on behalf of their loved ones and offer resources and a place to live and, and a doctor mm -hmm. and this kind of sort of thing. Um, so that's, that's the reason I have been uh, sort of preoccupied with California's issues around conservatorship. And, and in my practice, I have uh, frequently been in a position where I've told parents to see if they could get a conservatorship and they won't even try. I, 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 they won't even try for fear of disrupting the relationship with the, the adult child and those children end up dead. Uh, I mean, you don't, you really get, you, 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 rec, you know, physicians are recommending conservatorships when things are dire, when it's dangerous. So there, there's what I've been dealing with for all these years. And then publicly, uh, Britney Spears brought the whole issue of conservatorship into the public mind with uh, her father's continued. And, and when, let me just say, when she first got on a conservatorship, I was so surprised that, 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 that her, Britney Spears' family was able to get a conservatorship. And at the time, and this was 10, 12 years ago now, I said, mm -hmm. wow, I mean, 
Good on the attorney and the psychiatrist. They really advocate on behalf of Brittany. She must have been desperately ill. We know she spent 14 days in a locked unit. We know how sick she was and that they saved her life. They, they really did save her life. And it seemed to be going along okay until something came up around the financial issues. And at that point, I took the position of saying, hey, look, um, she works, she functions, she's following her meds. The judge can make sure she's continuing in her medical care. Um, I, I, see a lot, I can walk out on my street and just see 10 people that need conservatorships more than Britney Spears. Mm -hmm. So maybe she ought to have a chance of getting off this thing. And, and you know, it's up, it, she is an adult who is functioning now. It's not like it was before when she was so ill. And, uh, you know, give her a chance, for goodness sake. Uh, so that, those, are my, those are my preoccupations around conservatorship. Now, you set me straight. Where, where am I right? Where am I wrong? Well, a conservatorship, and it's sometimes called a guardianship, it's the legal means by which a court appoints a third party, often a family member, to make some or all decisions for a person who is alleged to be incapacitated. And an incapacitated person is someone who has been determined to be unable to make decisions, unable to communicate, unable to care for his or her physical safety, physical needs, and often someone who can't manage their own financial requirements. And in some states, there are separate statutes for people with intellectual or developmental disabilities and there are laws designed to permit parents to continue continue to take care of a disabled adult, uh, and to continue to control the affairs of a of an adult child who can't fend for himself or herself. In Britney Spears's case, um, it was a very unusual case, and it really devolved into a conservatorship abuse. Is is what happened? The case started with a, a severe mental health episode that Brittany was in the middle of when her father came forward to seek to be appointed her conservator. It then mm -hmm. continued for 13 years. And Brittany was during those 13 years, perfectly capable of, of earning millions and millions of dollars performing in shows, appearing in Las Vegas, being the judge on a TV show, the X factor, and it, it became clear as the years went on that, that this was an abusive, really drastic, severe situation. And it wasn't until last summer when Brittany finally had the opportunity to speak out on her own behalf and when her remarks were leaked to the press, they were supposed to be confidential and not made public, that when the court of public opinion got involved in what was going on is when the judge in the conservatorship uh, was under pressure to really start the process of ending it. And so, so my opinion about that is sort of accurate, that, that, that she had been functioning and she is earning a living and certainly not nearly as ill as she had been or that so many people are that can't get conservatorships. I mean, there are millions I, I, of people with mental health issues in, in the United States who take medication, are in treatment, and their civil liberties are not taken away from them. They are entitled to uh, all the rights that everyone else has. Just because you have a mental illness or an episode of mental illness doesn't mean that you're, you're stripped of your civil liberties. And really, conservatorship is, is a proceeding where the court entrusts to somebody else the power to choose where the person will live, what medical treatment the person will get, uh, whether the person can marry, procreate, and sometimes even where the person is going to die. And it's really a punitive civil penalty that that is only to be levied where the the need for it so much outweighs the stripping of the civil liberties. Uh, it's really well, the equivalent of a civil death sentence. Let me ask this. Why, if somebody has dementia and is gravely disabled and psychotic and disorganized, that person, if you do not t mandate their medical care, you are involved in elder abuse. 
and somebody with a different brain disease with the same symptom complex, you're not allowed to get near. Explain that to me. Well, I don't really understand what happens with the homeless people and why the families don't step up and, and what uh, what goes on. They're in told situations. they're told they're, they're they're told to go away. I've been I've tried to get legislation through California. I've helped family. They're just told gra gravely disabled essentially doesn't exist here for certain diagnostic categories in California. It exists for dementia. It doesn't exist for decompensated schizophrenia. And and to schizophrenics, if you get to them early, you can restore them. You can really the dementia patient is gone. They're never going to get better. But the schizophrenic could get better and be restored to a full life. But if you let them go too long, they degenerate permanently. And that's the category we're not allowed to intervene on. What is the logic? It's crazy. Well, the harsh, the harsh truth is that the conservatorship proceedings that get filed often involve families with a lot of money and mm. incapacitated individuals who are wealthy. And those are the cases where people can afford to hire lawyers who are very expensive because you need lawyers to commence a conservatorship proceeding. You need to be before a judge. You need to uh, present very detailed and complex paperwork. Mm -hmm. And pe many people cannot afford that at all. And so the cases that we read about typically involve uh, people who are very, very wealthy. That's why we read about the celebrity cases. We read about Britney mm. Spears and Peter Max, the artist, and the and Brooke Astor, who uh, passed away several years ago, who was also the subject of a conservatorship proceeding, and Amanda Bynes, and uh, a real estate tycoon in New York, George Kaufman. These are people with great wealth, uh, and that's typically the the typical conservatorship proceeding, not the homeless person that we see living on the street. Uh, well, the homeless person, so I, I, I would say, yeah, I would say that, that's interesting, and I have some questions about that. But I would say ten percent of maybe twenty percent of people on the streets have have families who could afford conservatorship. Uh, it, it's that's not the issue. Mm -hmm. The issue is they're told to go away by the by the state of California, but but that's a separate issue. Why not then? That being so, the way you're describing it, why not expand access to conservatorship so more people can be helped? Isn't wouldn't there isn't there a way that the system could be streamlined in such a way that you know at least people can be stabilized and you know you know somehow improved and then sent on their way? Or or is conservatorship now such a such a closed system that once you're on conservatorship, it's really hard to get off of it. I, I, I don't know what the issues are that are preventing it from becoming a little more flexible. Well, anyone can petition the court to appoint a conservator or guardian for someone alleged to be incapacitated. Anyone can petition the court. The parent of the homeless person could petition the court for that relief. So that's the statutes are available to everybody. It's probably a decision that the family makes that they don't want to undergo the stress of the legal proceedings, uh, hiring the lawyers, going into court, filing the petition, having to try to get the uh, homeless person or very mentally ill person into court or to get that person before a psychiatrist to be evaluated. But this, the, um, the, the court... The courtroom doors are open to anybody, and the, the purpose of the conservatorship laws are to protect an incapacitated person, and often they are used in a way that's a very important way and very beneficial to an incapacitated yeah. person. For example, there could that's be the financial yeah. abuse going on. There could be, uh, and, sure. and we do see conservatorships mostly with elderly people, and, and elderly mm -hmm. people who have dementia that's getting worse, elderly people with severe Alzheimer's who really don't know what's going on. And let's say uh, a, a friend moves in and starts to take over the person's life and there's financial abuse. Or in the case of Brooke mm -hmm. Astor, who was elderly and she had one son, Anthony Marshall, and Anthony Marshall was very close with his mother. And Brooke Astor's friends started to get worried that he was taking advantage of her financially, that he was 
diverting her funds to himself. He was selling paintings and he was um, taking the money. And so her friends got together and commenced a conservatorship proceeding, demanding that one of her friends be appointed conservator and that the son be, um, be, be removed from her life. And so you do see conservatorship conservatorships, which are, are very good for the incapacitated person and very much protect the person from emotional abuse, physical abuse, and financial abuse. Um, but I, I want to go back to my question about, about flexibility, though. Why, why can't we make the system more affordable and more flexible? So the stories like that are more common because people are dying at seven a day in this county. Um, at least one or two of those people every day have family that can easily afford their care, easily, and, and are told no. Um, and by the way, are, are told that they shouldn't even start their conservatorship proceedings. Many of them can afford it, no problem. They're just told is, is in, you know, you're, it doesn't really exist here in California the way, way it does in other states. And why not make it more flexible? Why not make it more affordable? Well, the laws would really need to be restructured to make them more accessible to the uh, person, to, to people in the community, so that the courts were more open to people who would not need to get a lawyer, but maybe there could be forms to be filled in and a judge could be seen. I know in New York, we have certain courts that are very, very good for pro se litigants to come in and fill in forms and the clerks help help the uh, pro se litigants fill in forms for a divorce or for a family offense for order protection. So the laws would have to be made more user friendly. And right now they're very complex and uh, mm. not user friendly. They're, they're really mm. a labyrinth of, of laws and the judges who are appointed to preside over the conservatorship part, they are a small number of judges and a, generally a small mm -hmm. number of professional conservators and evaluators who are appointed over and over again. And, and it's, right. yeah. It's, it, it seems I, like yeah, Mike's, my, my, my experience in New York seems to handle things better. It seems like New York is doing things at least in a sort of humane way and, and, you know, not, not so really, <laughs> their way or the highway. It seems like that labyrinth can be navigated. It's just hard to navigate and expensive. It's and, and it'd be nice if that one. Yeah, I get that. Cal California is, uh, is bizarre, just very bizarre here. That, that Again, that's why I was so shocked that, that Brittany was able to get the conservatorship. But what I'm hearing you say, and I think this is probably true, is that if you have enough money, you can still navigate the system. What, what happens now is the attorney, you can hire an attorney and, and they'll just go, don't even bother. Don't don't just stop right here. It's not, it's, you know, it's, a, it's not unless you know unless they're, you know, they, you have to be hospitalized a certain number of times. They have to be actively homicidal. The, you know, there's there's yeah. got to be you know. Forget the fact that they, have, they could have tuberculosis and have have lost their limb. No, no, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I mean, I had a mom. Uh, they're leading uh, their best life. I had a mom of an adult son come to me and talk to me and say that her son was mentally ill, schizophrenic. He was living in a very dangerous apartment and he did have access to funds and so did she. And she was so worried about him. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll represent you. We'll draft a petition for, uh, for you to be appointed as conservator. We're going to have to get, a judge is going to appoint a lawyer for him. Uh, a judge is going to appoint an evaluator to go to his apartment and meet with him and come back to the court and report. I said, and here's what it'll cost and here's what my hourly rate is and we, let's do it. And she said, oh, all of that would be involved. <laughs> my son would be yeah. have to be examined by psychiatrists. My son would have a lawyer. I don't think he, I don't think he could handle that. I think that would be terrible stress for him. I said, well, yeah, I understand. And you need to make your decision because that's what the process involves. It's, it's, a how, how would you even do it? If, if people are sort of on the lam living in the streets and cannot even be like, you know, cannot land for any, you cannot be, you, you're you not allowed to hold people, her. you know, you can't even right. or if you could find them, 
or, or if you yeah. find them, they just get, you know, they, they scamper, you know, they get, they go. I, I don't know how yeah, that would even go on. Yeah. Because we, it's, it's, the reality is that that would be a huge problem and probably deters a lot of family members from trying to get help. And yeah. I, I, I couldn't say sitting here exactly how to fix it. I, yeah. Well, it's, it's I, again, it's it's the weather works in your favor in New York because people that are troubled like that, they just they get into a closed environment where they can not die of the of the elements. And as such, you, you can kind of find them and they, you know, it just works better. But here there's nothing. And, and then all the laws make it even worse. So uh, let's see. I, I always wonder, I wish I understood how how so many people become homeless and who are they and where where are their family members and this could be somebody this of course it's somebody's son or brother or uncle and how how does this happen we i don't understand how i haven't had the personal experience in my family and i really haven't represented home, anyone who's been homeless so i haven't had the well, personal well it 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 happens uh, essentially, in this state, we have about 100,000 in this county off on the street, and the vast, vast, vast majority are either drug addicted or mental health, severe mental health, or both. And most of it is addiction. And, and once, you know, in this state, you're allowed to use drugs until you die. That's the way it works. And then no one can stop you, no matter how psychotic or how dangerous or how wild your behavior, until you step up and say, I, I want some help. And that's... You're saying uh, the, family, the family member could not arranged to put the person in rehab if the person doesn't consent no no not just not consent they have to beg yeah. for it and you know you have to yeah. really, it's hard to even get it once they beg for it and and by the way i you know i i walk the streets here not on you know in skid row and stuff and the number of schizophrenics and severely mentally ill is off the chain and i've worked with dozens maybe hundreds of families that have been desperate to get their families off the street and it's been a zero zero it's just been impossible you get you get no help from anybody, or, and I, again, I just find it so odd that one brain disorder, dementia, gets the full protection, and yeah. another brain disorder with the same precise symptom complex, little different natural history. In fact, you can improve the natural history on one and not of the other. Um, that that one has zero ability to uh, bring to care, at least in this state. So. I think because it's really kind of wild. The, and the drug addiction. Go ahead. The elderly people, there's a different perception in society of the elderly than the homeless. And it's probably a bias in favor of the elder, elderly and against the homeless. And so. Well, it, but you got to understand yeah. that there, it's not against the, the, the people that have created these laws really believe they're supporting people's living their best life and however they please. And there, there's there's a complete lack of understanding of brain disorders and denial and anosognosia and these things that block people's insight yeah. from what's happening to them and lead them to die. And and we as physicians know when people have you know, life threatening illness, it's not, it's pretty easy. It's not it's not a difficult thing. And the the particularly on the addiction side, the one the one part that's left out of every consideration is the fact that it's a fatal illness. It progresses to death. That's where it goes. Um, and we are you know increasing the number of dead on our streets by at least one dead body per day every year. So every year we we were, we were at six per day last year. Now we're at seven per day this year. I, I think that's going to accelerate because the meth deaths kind of come at the end. They come, they're asymptotic. You know, fentanyl, opioids, it's just of a steady state of accumulated death over time. But meth comes all of a sudden, and we should start seeing a spiking in those deaths too. And they're easy you know, to the identify, they're that, easy to treat. Go the ahead. fact that you care and are trying that, to do this is so wonderful because I don't think enough people care. Uh, and are are trying to do anything to help them. Well, and I think they're being sold a bill of goods. They're being sold that it's just it's a financial issue, and it's just it just and for some people it is, but that's a very unusual you know, subset of the population. Does, does there anything about the family law keep you up at night? Anything you worry about in terms of the way the system works, or you know, I mean, other not I mean specific cases, yeah. but things of, about the system that worry you yeah. and would like you like to see yeah, better I'm improved. Worried all the time. Wor worry is. An everyday thing in my field it's a difficult field family problems are so difficult uh, the system is isn't great 
the there's a backlog in the courts. There are there is often no ability to get a court order as quickly as you want to try to get a court order if you need an emer- if you have an emergency situation. You want to take care of your I want to take care of my clients, and it, it's a lot of I take on a lot of the if I take a client, then his or her problems become my problems. And right. I, I really, I take it all to heart and I, I really give a lot. And so, yes, there's a lot of worry and frustration in my field. And in my field in family law, if you really can't handle that, you should not be a family law attorney. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing though, I, I typically the case is the case when you're able to sort of embrace the challenge and empathize that that the 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 successes must be equally as satisfying if not more so than the stressors and the frustrations and so i'm I'm guessing you are able to help a lot of people yes there has to be you have to have successes or you the field really would be unbearable so thankfully i've had a lot of successes um not only in court in litigation but in trying to effectuate settlements and in fact i had one client, a, a doctor who every year on the day of her divorce would bring me flowers and leave them at my front desk at reception with a note saying, um, you gave me my new chap- you gave me a new chapter and I'm going to bring you flowers every year on the anniversary of my divorce. <laughs> and things like that make it really worth it. And really trying to help people get to a new, happier chapter is very fulfilling and uh, it's very hard work. Yes. Um, so, I'm, I'm looking at some of the comments alongside of you there. Ilana, call in, and I want to hear what your story was that you were able to do that so easily and without a lot of uh, cost. So, yeah, there's your, your comment right there. So I'd love to hear that. But, um, Martha, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, we're going to just take general calls now at this point. Um, where would you like people to go to learn more about what you have to offer? Well, um, you can look at my website, just put my name into the internet, and my firm is Cohen Stein Kapoor LLP, and we will take good care of you if you need us. Also, I, I noticed on the landing page that you're featured on, I was so appreciated that your education and training was right up front, like in the first couple of sentences. It drives me insane when people claim yeah. all kinds of abilities and you can't even find their training on their website. This, if, 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 please everybody, if you learn nothing else from this conversation we had, learn this one thing. When people have excellent training, they want to tell you about it. And when people have no training, they leave it out of the equation. They just leave it off the website. I, I mean, I put all my stuff up on the website and people don't know to go look for it. You should always look for people's training, where they went to college, where they went to professional school, what their professional societies are, what their subspecialty, what if, if organizations, if, if their field has board certifications. What are they boarded in? What, who, which board is a, you know, is it a legitimate American society of whatever? Is it a legitimate board that's right. certifying them? That's all things you should look at before you hire a professional. And on Martha's landing page, all her stuff's right there, right up front. And I really appreciated thank that. Thank you. So, you figure someone has right, a lot thank to you hide so- if you search too much. You have to search too much for exactly. that hiding something. Yeah. They either hiding it or they don't know that it's important. One, one or the other. So, uh, Martha, thanks so much. We'll probably talk to you sometime soon. I hope. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. And uh, Caleb just flashed at me that flashed some information to me that uh, you can find see all my uh, my various degrees and my various things at uh, drdrew.com/degrees. Yeah, people are accusing me of stuff. So I put up my college, my medical school, my American Board of Internal Medicine, my residency training, my chief residency certificate, American Board of Addiction Medicine. What else did we put up? Oh, the American College of Physicians, where I'm a fellow, the American yeah. uh, Board of, of Addiction Medicine. What? Where else did we put up there? It, it literally is just, it that links to a single JPEG image that lines up all of the degrees and training and everything in one, so that anytime there are trolls in the chat, I prepared this easy to use link. You just paste it there and prove you are a real doctor. <laughs> it's so funny. The problem is people don't understand what all these different things are. And and I, of all those things that are up there, 
there are two or three things that are really important. Uh, the board certifications are very important, but really the, the, the thing that is most important are my fellowships. The, the fellowships tell you that you are board certified in the eyes of these professional societies and have maintained a certain standard for a long period of time and are involved in the educational process and research process. I mean, the fellowships are the things you want to look for. Uh, in people's backgrounds. Uh, but my God, just like the word doctor, there are so many boards of this and boards of that that really aren't so significant. Um, so I'm starting to worry about that too. I, I've started saying that when people ask me, you know, what what do I do? I say I'm a physician. I don't say doctor anymore because it could be a doctor of musicology. Uh, and, you know, and uh, Martha was a doctor of jurisprudence. I, so I say I'm a physician and the kind of doctor that when they ask overhead on the air in the airplane, is there a doctor here? I stand up and go take care of the person. That, that that's the kind of doctor. I think so, also all right, because here, you don't you don't broadcast yeah. it all the time that people don't actually realize that you are still an active medical doctor and you still have your license. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you do this every year. Yeah, so somebody somebody patients. asked me that at uh, somebody strangely I I do I don't do a lot the same hours that I used to do but I am doing medicine every single day of the week seven days a week and somebody asked me that on an after dark post and just that day I happened to have treated heart failure atrial fibrillation tuberculosis MAV multicellulare and COVID just that day and, and the preceding 24 hours and so, yeah, I'm doing stuff. I'm still practicing medicine. What people get really confused about is that I spent all those years working in the psychiatric setting, which is a different skill set and doesn't, it involves the medical thinking, but it's a really different um, discipline. So I had the good fortune of, um, you know, having all that a crazy experience. So, so here's the deal. Uh, we will take a little break. Uh, we'll hear from our friends at Genucell. We'll come back and take your calls. I think we have found the holy grail of skincare. Genucel has absolutely changed, certainly my skincare regimen. I like that vitamin C serum, the under eye creams, skin nourishing primer. Susan loves the eyelash enhancers, uses it on her eyebrows as well. Genucel has everything to make us both feel and look amazing. Best part, the quality of the products. Using pure ingredients like antioxidants, copper peptides, and a proprietary calendula flower base, Genucel knows how to formulate products to perfection without irritation. For Susan, she hates that annoying dry area under nose during allergy season, like right here. She tried everything, but no matter what, the skin is flaky and dry. Nothing seemed to help until she started using Genucel's Silky Smooth XV Moisturizer. Soaked right into the skin. She was hooked after one use and now loves all of their products as well. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because... It's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time and I'm so excited because it's actually working. Right now, you can try Genucel's most popular collection of products and see what I'm talking about for yourself. Go to genucel.com and enter code DREW for 10% off. That is G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com and the code is D-R-E-W. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. And uh, maybe I'll ask Susan to come up, and she's away from us right now. I'll invite her to speak, see if she wants to come up and uh, talk a little bit about Genucel and that sort of thing. Uh, so we really appreciate uh, you guys supporting those that support us. Genucel has been a good product. Doesn't look like Susan wants to come up right now. So uh, as I said, I invited Alana or asked her to come on up and uh, speak with me. So let's hear what Alana's story was. So Alana, how did you get around uh, the system that I've been stymied with for so many years? Thanks for joining us. Hi, Drew. So um, just, I have a, an adult son who's autistic and knew at, um, before his 18th year, I'd heard from other people that I needed to get a conservatorship. Mm -hmm. He's pretty high functioning, however, wanted to have that all in place. And he definitely bought in. And I hate to say 
we had a really easy time doing well, it. I, um, that's why I want to hear more about it. Because if somebody's had an easy time, I want to know how you do that. Because I've had nothing but well, I mean, struggle. It, it was it was very time consuming mm-hmm. because um, you know I had to go through the courts and I spent a lot of time at the courts filing different papers. But they, I think it was going to be like fifteen hundred dollars to two thousand. But they waived it because I was doing the filing. And my son had no income, so they said no cost to you. What, was it was he, it when he was an adult, or did you initiate the process when he was still a minor? I initiated it when he was still a minor. Did, do you think that had anything to do with the ease with which you moved through the system? Would there have been more evaluations of him or something? No, it's the same either way, because my sister-in-law did it. She also has two autistic kids, but for her younger one, um, did it when he was, we both did it during COVID. Mm. So, you know, which mine was like right before and hers was right during. And, you know, we both had, I don't want to call it easy, but there was no, everything that you said where they would come out and, you know, he had to be evaluated by the court, the Mm -hmm. psych, you know, psychiatrist, um, it wasn't difficult. It was time consuming, but not difficult. Good. Well, that's good to hear uh, that maybe they, I, and I would, do you think it was the specific diagnosis that they made it easier? I, or could you tell? Um, couldn't tell because I know that. There, so the way that you started is each County has like this class that you go to if mm-hmm. you're doing it yourself mm-hmm. and they give you a step-by-step process of everything you need to do, all the forms and, you know, I would say that every time we went to go file, I'd, I'd say the people at the courthouse were very helpful and they were just, I don't know, I went in with a nice attitude. So they were very nice to me. So I think that that's sort of it. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the LA County one just to see what's going on here. Uh, so I'm happy to send you anything and everything that I did if it can probate. help somebody else. Probate. Yeah, it was all through probate. Yes. Hmm. Absolutely. And maybe that's just a different way of going about it. And I don't know if it makes a difference that you're doing it yourself instead of a lawyer yeah, coming in here's, doing it. No, here's where the trouble starts. I'm looking at the website now. It's they, they have to be unable to provide the individual food, clothing, shelter. So literally mm-hmm. all, all they have to say is I have a tent by the river. I'm wearing clothes. And I'm going to panhandle by the freeway and go to McDonald's. That, that's all they have to yeah. say. And there is no conservatorship. That, that's where the problem is. Yeah. Like, that's what I well, run and into. Then, and then how do you then educate the courts so that they, you know, because what you're talking about, that's not a life. I mean, it's, 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 it is gravely disabled. It is. We, we have yeah. to restore gravely disabled. And, and they, they, they do not understand the concept anisognosia, which is this neurological mm-hmm. phenomenon that happens with mental illness that blocks people's ability to see what's happening to them. It's, in, in addiction, it's sort of under the general rubric of denial. But even in a denial, there's a, even in addiction, there's a biological thing that gets in the way of people's insight. And later, when they clear, they go, oh, my God. You know, I was really, I was screwed up. And why did you let me stay like that? That's usually what the, how they, how they talk, you know, let me, uh-huh. the addicts take more of the responsibility for themselves because they know it's their illness, you know, and they have to kind of get to it. But, but it, it, it we, we need some more, for lack of a better word, rational, sane policies around helping people who really are deteriorating and deteriorate to the point that they die. And it's it's not that right. hard to identify these things. Remember when I talked to that British guy uh, a couple weeks ago, Doctor Das Da? Yeah. Das, I, uh-huh. I mean, he was like he was blown away that we didn't just help people here in this country. He was like, "What? Uh-huh. Why don't you do that? Why don't you help them?" It's like, yeah, why don't we? It's the question. It's uh, and it's I think I think underneath it there's a weird desire to. I don't know. We have a weird thing about self, you know, will, self-determination and self-will, even when it's broken, when our motivational system is broken. And and the idea that I think people are being used as a political instrument uh, to sort of make people believe it's a financial problem for the of the cost of living. And it just, 
is just is not. That's just not the issue. For some, I'm not saying for no, for some, but the, the chronically on the street, the chronically ill, the ones who are dying every day, that is a different subset. And those people need to be helped. And that's most of what people are disturbed about, what they see out there. All right. Well, well we have a, we, yeah. Go ahead. You no, have a finish. Just say that we, we just have, society has an issue with mental illness yes. and accepting yes. it and learning how to yes. help. So. It's just so weird to me that dementia is a protected mental illness and mm -hmm. schizophrenia is a somehow. <laughs> You know, it's a special I, it, brain diseases are brain diseases and we need to help people have brain diseases. I mean, it's really something. Yeah, but would it, but couldn't you on all of, you know, the paperwork or whatever, instead yeah. of saying that, you know, it's addiction, why can't you just or schizophrenia? Why can't you just say that it's dementia? Or, well, you know, here I'll give people a little another interesting uh, strategy Call it dementia precox, which is what they used to call schizophrenia. Because the symptom mm -hmm. complex, they used to think it, it it does kind of lead to a dementia if you don't treat it long it, enough. You mm -hmm. really severe schizophrenia untreated leads to kind of a dementia. So they called it dementia precox, meaning before the, the symptoms before dementia. Alana, I like how you're thinking. That's a good strategy for people, and for people. Well, whatever, that, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And what, well, whatever you have to do, where you're not necessarily lying, but you're sort of stretching. Well, I mean, any sort of diagnosis that's going to get them the help that they need. I, I like, I, I, well, I, I like how you're thinking. Uh, and um, I, back to the, the uh, conservatorships and the, and the self-conservative. The LA County mm -hmm. does have a site where you can go and learn about how to give, get a conservatorship. And it mm -hmm. does look very complete. And it looks good. And it mm -hmm. looks like much like what Alana's describing. Except you, if you have somebody with mental illness, you're not going to have success. I, I can tell you it's right up front there. You've got mm -hmm. three things, food, shelter, clothing have to be um, impaired. Uh, all right, Alana, thank you so much. Thanks. Okay, you got it, as always. Uh, I want to bring our friend Eliza Blue up here, who uh, I noticed was uh, had her hand up and um, usually has something very important to share with us. I'm wondering what's on her mind. And Eliza, when you do get connected, there you are. What's on your mind? Hey, Dr. Joe. I didn't uh, see that you called me up. It's nice to hear your voice. Hi to Susan. Hi to Caleb. Um, you know, I have so many questions, especially about the Britney Spears case. Mm. Uh, I would never want to call her a survivor of human trafficking, of course, mm. um, because it's not my place to call her that, although she did liken it to sex trafficking at times during the trial. Um, I really want to ask your guests. I love this conversation so much because this is something I'm like dying to know more about. Yeah. Of course, because of, of the human trafficking component, I, I fail to see how that how they did not receive any charges. I it, to me, it meets the legal definition of human trafficking: force, fraud, or coercion for the sale of labor, specifically in this case, or sex. So I'm always like looking at this. I I think it might be one of the issues that it might be a little bit more difficult because I could Oop. see how mm -mm. this specific oh, Eliza, system, oh, that's her phone. You're breaking up. With, we, yeah. Especially with folks with you're, those we, specific vulnerabilities. I, I hear what you're saying. We're, we're, getting almost, right. we're getting almost none of what you're saying. So it's all broken up and sounds like a robot kind of thing. So I'm going to put you back the audience. I'm sorry, but we could not hear you. Except I did hear your interesting observation about human trafficking for labor purposes. Um, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody were to bring that issue. We don't have that guest with us right at the moment again, but I wouldn't be surprised if if she's if she does not decompensate, which I, you know, unfortunately there may be a high probability that she does. But hopefully the judge um, will be able to keep her engaged in her treatment. What's I, that? I actually still see her on the screen. Um, she might still be, I can actually bring her back in. I think she's, yeah, she's still here. Do you want to ask her that? Uh, I think, except Eliza just dropped off. Oh, okay. Uh, she just I gave think... me the thumbs up. She might have, she might have heard the question. Okay. Let's get her in. Oh, let's, let's see. There she is. She hung around. Hey. Um, anyway, yeah, thank you for staying around. Did you hear, did you hear that no, question about human, tra I heard the question. You, you... It's a great question. And in fact, Jamie Spears, the father who was the conservator, is now being investigated by Britney Spears and her lawyer right now, investigating him mm -hmm. for all sorts of terrible things, including 
uh, putting audio and vi video surveillance in her home, um, mismanaging her money, taking millions of dollars for self-dealing uh, and waste. And he is go going to be deposed next month, the, the father. And w after the investigation by Brittany and her lawyer, I wouldn't be surprised if a governmental authority charges him with a crime or crimes. Uh, and, so and, is, I, and Eliza's I point about yeah, in store. Eliza's point about human of, human trafficking for purposes of labor is that is that possibly one of the I things that, that could get? Uh, well, I I don't know if that would be one of the crimes he'd be charged with, but more in the nature of fraud and larceny and embezzlement. Uh, certainly, Brittany would have a claim against him for uh, for pain and suffering. She would have a separate civil claim for the intentional infliction of emotional distress on her. Uh, so he is being pursued now. Uh, James Spears is being targeted for what he did. And, and how do we avoid, how do we, how do a conservator should, do you have any advice on how these things should be constructed or what changes need to be made so there aren't abuses? It's a little beyond me. <laughs> To be honest, I, you know, there are legislative um, proposals and there are groups studying. I, I don't really have the solution. Because it, 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 to me, it's sad. I mean, the, these, I, we don't really, I don't really know what happened, but I know he and the, the team that got her the conservatorship saved her life. I'm thoroughly convinced of that. But then, I, well, we'll find out what they were thinking, I guess. Is that going to be well, public record? I mean, I feel like I can address what happened in Brittany's case and what should, what did happen, what should have happened. What I mm. can't really figure out is how to fix the whole system in the United States. Mm. But in Brittany's case, the abuses were allowed to continue for years. One reason is because Brittany was not allowed to choose her own lawyer. The judge appointed a lawyer for Brittany, and this lawyer that was appointed for Brittany did not give her... Uh, the advice she needed to be given and did not advocate for what Brittany wanted. So that was one problem with not having the kind of representation that she needed. And I think that there was that the, the father had too much power over a whole team of people whose goal was who, who ended up abusing Brittany financially and emotionally and physically. Uh, and I think that is, is it is it possible is, or can you imagine a, a circumstance where when we hear his testimony, it will make more sense and Brittany is actually more chronically ill than we know? I think he's going to try. Um, I don't know if he's going to succeed in defending himself because some of what we've read and heard is pretty wild what he did and uh, or the or what the team on the conservatorship team did some of the allegations are are crazy and 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 upsetting you know the surveillance the spyware on her computer on her emails the surveillance the bugging of her residence uh, restricting her ability to uh, have a baby get married um, so i don't know if he's going to be able to defend himself he's got, certainly going to try and now for the first time, he has to pay for his own lawyers. He can't use Brittany's money to fund his own lawyer. He's going to have to come up with that money himself. Hmm. But Interesting. Well, thank you for jumping back in here. I, I, this yeah, all sounds uh, interesting. Can, and, uh, I'll just wait. I'll, I'll you watch until, no, I'm going to watch until Okay, fair enough. All right. Yeah, I'm here. Fair enough. Okay. We'll, see what, we'll see what else comes up. Let's uh, bring uh, Shane up here as a question. Uh, Shane, go ahead. You're muted, and the mic is in the lower left-hand corner there. Jane, we can't hear you because the the microphone, it's a little thing in the left-hand corner, a little circle in the left-hand corner of your... I see it. There, there you, you are. There you got me now. There you go. What's up? Dr. Drew, how are you, man? Good. What's up? Good. Okay, where are we at in the conversation? Essentially, well, let's see. I've uh, I got some notes here. Essentially, it comes down to quality of life, right? Uh, like, if we're talking about it being what it being 
Well, as far as like saving, uh, let's see what you guys were talking about, like homeless people on the street, for example, or I'm, the people I'm worried that... about, I'm worried about fatal illness. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about people with okay. fatal, fatal illness being prevented from accessing resources or, or being cared for. That's what drives Well, and that's crazy. the biggest thing. See, like is getting, they, first off you hit the, the, the correct point is they have to want the help. They, they have to, they well, want but to you're asking, now you're talking about drug addicts. And, and, and on the drug addict side, yeah, ideally, but but you there's something called motivational enhancement therapies. There, there's ways to okay. get people, and all, if with certain drugs, if you just get them off the drugs, they start yeah. becoming wanting. Well, to get and better. you guys hit you guys hit on that a little bit ago with your guest as well. Yeah. I kind of caught came and rated towards the end of that. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, I mean, it, when you come out of it, you go, oh wow. Like for me, it was more like for just not to bring me into it, but it was more of. Uh, prescription medications. I, I, I had been on as many as five at one time. I started about when I was about 24 years old Ugh. and I had finally picked and it took me three or four years. And I mean, all kinds of doctors, I was even three Oh two ones and everything. Mm. It, and, and it was just like, oh, so much that once you come out of that, you kind of grow older, you kind of get older overnight. Right. And well, you find your, your, yeah, but you just you, you you yeah you learn, and, but you also yeah. just clear. You get your clearing. Yes, is that, well, that's what I was getting at. Is yeah. you get that clarity, you find that clarity, and you go, "Wow, okay, perhaps it wasn't not nothing on the outside. Maybe it's more something that I should have been doing." What Shane? Uh, you you know? got Shane? How dare you? Are you kidding? Yes, that's exactly. Well, and I know, exactly I know. Well, I say that to say this. It's like you taught me. Well, on, on don't blame yourself and all the other kind of stuff. But achieve don't, the clarity don't, first, then don't, go from yeah, there. Don't that's be the ashamed point. and guilty. Shame and guilt have no purpose because you're sick and you had an illness that affected your your everything about you. You became you. The things you did was the result of the illness, not who you are. And uh, and if, ah. and you're so. So the way I think about it is you're responsible for your recovery, not your illness. Now, if you blew yes, off your recovery, like so if you blew off your recovery and you drank again or whatever, took Xanax again, and you killed somebody, well, that's on you now. That's on you. Uh, and But if you're thinking and you're struggling in your sobriety and you're trying to get well and you're thinking, oh, I did some bad things to my family. Yeah, you probably did. It's part of the wreckage of that illness. You can, you'll, part of the recovery is managing that down the road, not now. Don't worry about it. Right. Right, right, right. Well, well, mine was never really addiction therapy. It was stuff like that. It was more mental health kind of yeah. stuff. Like yep. even just it's genetics, you know, um, you made that point months ago about about 60%, what is it, about 60% genetics and then 40% yeah. you, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was always like, no, I don't want that medication or anything like that. I waited you. Till, I like how you say yeah. that. But what, what, I, what, something I, like what that, I say is, what know? I say is just to clarify that, that when it comes yeah. to human behavior and mental illness, when you're trying to figure out how much is genes, how much is environment, it's about pretty much everything I've seen usually comes up around 60% genes, 40% environment. Genes so are environment so necessary. I mean, it's, it, it's it makes deal. all the difference. It's a big deal. Yeah, it, re it really does. And, and the access to the resources. Some of your other guests mentioned that as well. well or, yeah, Shane, or, that's the part that drives me crazy is that people don't. It's, it's, it's huge. I mean, goodness gracious, we have to get people to care somehow. Uh, God, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah, the yes, sir. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. I, I completely agree. And Shane, thanks for those comments. Uh, Josh, I want to give you a chance to come up here. We're kind of running it low on time. Uh, so we're connecting to Josh here. Get here his question. And I know you'll jump. There you are. What's up, Josh? Not much. So I really like this conversation. Um, the lawyer was good. Mm -hmm. I feel like the questions are good. I feel like the, the problem that I want to say, sort of the elephant in the room, is what happens when the parent who wants the conservative ship mm -hmm. is, the, is the parent that could possibly be perpetuating some sort of abuse on the child and could be the reason for the child's yeah. illness. Well, that's, that's, um, well, here, here's the two things. Well, I, I asked that of Martha and she said beyond her, it's legislative action that's necessary to really improve that kind of thing. But I would say it's, it's, it's not that hard to, you know, people, real professionals that do mental health evaluations, it's not that hard to parse that stuff out even if just you get a funny feeling. I mean, people people that do this work learn to trust our instincts a lot. And um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that kind of thing would be pretty unusual. So, okay, that makes sense. But um, let's take the case of Britney Spears mm. and the father's behavior 
um, during the conservatorship is sort of like this, it's a little invasive. And so if the young girl has an invasive type father, just purely hypothetical based on his behavior in the conservatorship, it's almost as if Brittany is in like a nightmare situation now. Yeah, yeah, except potentially. I get what you're saying, but what you may hear, and and I'll be interested to see in his testimony, what you may hear is we were really concerned about her survival. She was very sick. The psychiatrist told me to do this. Hold on here. The psychiatrist urged me to do this. And, you know, I was following his or her direction to, to increase the monitoring to make sure she didn't decompensate fully. Or I, I don't know. You know, I, I understand what your point is, and that may well be what, you know, happened. Or it's going to be people that are trying to help and really ended up doing things that weren't so helpful <laughs> and maybe maybe exceeded their what's reasonable which is why i was wondering if there were solutions to this to safeguard against it i could i could see a a scenario where people did what he did really well-meaning really trying to help i mean i didn't know the financial part i haven't really heard that story yet but on the on the you know on the surveillance part and all that i i, I to keep her out of a hospital or who knows what they were trying to do but well, I, I also agree it was too much, but, but possibly, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe it you started you as a, a good positive. Thing. Well, yeah, that's a, that's yeah. Well, I know it was started as a good thing because they saved her life, and and they you have may, a positive bias. I, I have mean, a positive Dr. bias. So I do. Yes. Okay. Bias. So I, I have a I have a negative bias. I have yeah. negative bias, yeah. and and my bias <laughs> tends to say <laughs> that, that people are going to be well, exploitative. No. I, I don't want to be the person that says this is junk. I want to mm. be like you. I want to have a positive bias on this and say that this was entirely for the because after all, Brittany needs to be better yeah, or yeah. whatever, whoever yeah. it is. Yeah. It's all about the person. Now, this takes me back to the street mm. and your passion about the street. Now, mm. the thing is, if you come up to a homeless person and say, listen, you're going to come with us, mm. you're going to be away from whatever this is, your tent, for 48 hours, they might say no. But if I say, I'm going to sit here with you, I'm going to have a tent here too, Mm. I'm going to have a folding chair, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to talk to you for the entire day. How about that? Mm. And I'm going to talk to everyone else here. No one's doing that. Where are these experts Uh, who are are sitting on the street with these people? The the social workers are, well, first of all, there's a lot, right? We don't have enough of an army to do that. But social workers are doing a lot of that kind of work i mean your your point is and this is the one that that uh, an issue that i identified quite some time ago which is you really have to build trust and rapport and that takes a long time uh and some people are doing that they're having little units that go out and trying to build the trust and rapport to then get that person's willingness to come and get care you know motivated that's kind of it's the motivated care stuff motivated reasoning stuff and they're having some success with it but that is very time consuming very labor intensive and in the meantime we put a bunch of laws in place that encourage drug addicts to come here and the population continues to expand uh listen thank i'm gonna get one more caller up here thank you thank you josh for that uh 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 all right, so actually I've got to end things. I think we're sort of out of time. Uh, tomorrow, we let me get my today back up here. Oh, we have Ed Lattimore coming in here. We're going to hear his story. should be very interesting. It should be inspirational. He has interesting ideas. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's got a lot of interesting stuff to say there. Um, and then next week, we are going to be in here Wednesday, th- Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm not sure that we have the guest schedule for that yet. But as always, look for us in the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three o'clock Pacific time. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, do you yes, do you know what tomorrow is? It's oh a, yes, it's, happy it's, anniversary, it's, Susan. Tomorrow's no, our it, anniversary, and also Camden's <laughs> first birthday just so happens. Oh my God, we you, yep. you were born. He was born on the same day he as was our anniversary. Born, oh same my day gosh, as your anniversary. Yep. Well, He's in turning French, they say bon anniversaire, so we'll say bon anniversaire to both of us. Uh, fantastic. He looks really happy about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get a new photo. I'll post, like, show to him on tomorrow's show. That's, like, one from a month ago, and he changes every month. But this kid is Maybe a, maybe an appearance. What about a live appearance? We had one appearance. I, we need a little b- birthday appearance. 
Today also apparently is the day that people get their hair done because Susan's getting her hair done and Taylor, my wife, is getting her hair done as well. Ah. So he's over at his grandmother's mm-hmm. house at the moment. But tomorrow I'll ah, see if I can okay. get appearance from him. Well, maybe on his birthday. <laughs> and it's, it is our 31st anniversary tomorrow. So Susan, I love you and happy anniversary. Yeah, 31. And uh, not it, when it's right, it's not hard. Trust me, guys. So uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Kayla, for producing. Thank you, Susan, for setting this up. Thank you, Michelle, for booking our guest. And thank you, Martha, for uh, sharing your knowledge with us. We will be in here tomorrow at uh, 3 o'clock. Do I have anything else to promote? I, I'd love to see people over at After Dark more. We need to. We are going to be doing something. Oh, Susan loves me too. She just texted me. Um, we are going to be, there's Ed Lattimore tomorrow. We are going to be having more guests on After Dark. So we have a lot of comedians lined up over there. I think you might enjoy that. There's some really interesting things going on. You can see me in some environments where I don't belong, which uh, I sometimes head into those spaces and see what I can do. And I was on uh, Legions of Skank. You can find me there. And also, Are You Garbage? These are podcasts out there that if you guys are not familiar with, they're pretty interesting and funny. And I had a good time with them. So I appreciate all those guys. And uh, I might even go to the Skank Fest. Um, Again, nuts. You have to understand that world, understand what I'm talking about. So thank you all for being here. We will see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.